Are you looking into buying your very first home? We're going to walk you through the basic process from start to finish. Welcome to this episode. I'm Jennifer Moore. And I am John Cho. We are Agents with Money. We are here to help you figure out finances. All right, John. So you are a realtor and you're also a real estate investor. And I have been on the other side as a homeowner and as a home seller. So we wanted this to be a really good primer for all of you out there that are looking into buying a home for the very first time. Homeownership is very exciting. So John and I are going to have a conversation and just explain everything that's involved. All right, John, you've been in real estate for about two years. What mm -hmm. is the very first thing people should do if they're just getting started? They don't know where to begin. What do they need to do first? The first thing is to find a realtor. Whether you're selling or buying, finding a realtor is going to be key. And then from there, the realtor will point you towards a loan officer. Uh, first, like I said, meet with a real estate professional, discuss the type of home you're looking for, including style, price, and modification. So then the realtor knows exactly what you're trying to look for. And then the realtor will direct you to a loan officer where you need to get pre-approved. Because without that pre-approval, you're just looking at homes and not really able to get a house. So the reason why uh, a realtor will say, let's first get you pre-approved and then show homes instead of let's show you the houses and then once you like a house, you can get pre-approved. Um, the first choice is the best one where you get a pre-approval form first because that way you don't fall in love with the house and realize, oh, I can't get a loan up to 250000 well, this is a $250,000 house that I love. And then let's say you do go get a pre-approval and it tells you, okay, your max is up to 200,000, but then the loan officer will say, um, it's gonna be an X amount of monthly mortgage. If you went up to 200,000 and you're not uncomfortable um, and you wanna buy a house around 150,000 due to your mortgage rates or monthly mortgage fees, so that's why that pre-approval form, it's going to be super important. And especially with the market being so competitive, you want to have that form uh, ready because sometimes when you're, if, if you're waiting for that form, sometimes the house goes off the market within a day. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. something I think a lot of people tend to, they tend to jump the gun before getting a realtor, before even mm -hmm. trying to speak to a lender people will just start looking at these houses online mm -hmm. and they'll spend hours and hours on realtor.com or Zillow just looking for all these homes. But the truth is that by the time they're actually to the point where they can put in an offer, that house is probably going to be gone, right? Yes, absolutely. And remember, pre-approval is different than actually getting the qualification mm -hmm. started. So in pre-approval status, the guy, the loan officer is going to ask you for pay stubs, W-2s, and bank statements. Uh, so that's where he knows like what you can afford. And you can either go to a loan officer or to your bank. And the difference is if you go to like a Navy, like a, a credit union, they're only gonna pull their rates. But if you go to a loan officer, he pulls from different credit unions, either or different lenders everywhere. So he, he's gonna have a, more options for you and then he's going to either help you 
distinguish which loan will be better for you, either an FHA loan or a conventional loan. And from being a home buyer, I remember they they pull a lot of your financials, so your income, mm-hmm. your your debt to income ratio, what kind of credit you have, and they kind of compile that to to work up how much you're approved for and what kind of loan you get. So for all of you guys watching, um, before you even do that, if you can try to get your credit score up, that would be very helpful because that'll help you get a lower interest rate, right? And then it also, you you want to make sure all your financials um, are in order. And I do remember a lender saying not to make any like huge purchases before you buy a home. Is that something you've heard too? Yes. So let's say you are under contract for a house. Do not buy and do not finance anything until the <laughs> house is closed because it will jeopardize your loan. And here's the thing. I know some people get really offended or irritated mm-hmm. when a realtor say you need to get a pre-approval form first. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and there are clients who are like, no, I'm not going to do that. If I like a house, mm-hmm. then I'll do it. Like, we're, we're not going to take you seriously. Um, if you're not going to take it seriously yourself by not getting the approval, approval form, what is to tell a realtor is going to take you seriously? So make sure you get that pre-approval form. And then once you do, that's when you're going to start looking for homes and then make an offer, negotiate and negotiate with the seller and then make sure, you know, um, there's terms and hopefully you can get some concession, seller concession, which is seller can help you with closing costs. So you don't have to come out of pocket too much. Mm -hmm. Although in in this market, we're definitely, as of taping this, we're kind of in a seller's market here in Florida. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel like uh, home buyers you're working with, do you feel like their expectations are, are kind of in par with that? Or do you feel like they're still a little like optimistic when they might not get, they might not get like money off of a house or getting, getting a lot of concessions at this point? Yeah, it's it's brutal out it's there tough. and discouraging for the buyers right now. Yeah. Um, the reason is I'm working with a buyer right now and we were looking at a house and there were like five realtors there. <laughs> and at that point, you know, I told them, yeah, you can't ask for concession if you really want this house. Um, and it's discouraging because usually first time home buyers, they do need help with, especially at a certain price point, they do need help with their closing costs. So it's kind of discouraging for the buyers, especially when they're seeing that many realtors all there at once. And then they're going to realize, okay, we're going to have to put the best price forward. And the biggest thing is, are we able to get our money back when we resell it? Because a lot of people talk about that. So as a realtor who works with a lot of clients who are buying, how do you help them kind of come up with their kind of house wish list or like you know, maybe distinguishing like the must haves from the nice to have, but we don't have to have that stuff. Right. So in order to win a multiple offer situation, it's, uh, it's not, it doesn't mean you need to give them the full, like the bit highest price. I've actually, for one of my flips that went live, um, by the way, put purchased it for 68000 and another $1,000 for closing costs. So we're in it for 69,000 and we ended up spending about like 20,000 and for all the rehab. So for numbers purposes, um, you know, we're 90,000, no wait, 90,000, we're 60, no, 
70,000. Yeah, about 70,000. No, okay. No, That's no. not bad. Sorry, sorry. 59,000, not 69, wow. 59,000. And then we put in 20,000. So we're, let's say we're just in it for 80,000 for simple number of purchases. And then probably another $5,000 for closing costs since we don't have to pay ourselves commissions mm -hmm. um, since there's only one side. So we're looking at about, and then we list at 149,000. Um, we got 19 showings and it went under contract for 155,000. And there was no seller concession. Um, the highest offer we got was 165,000, but we did not accept that. We actually went with the 155 because the terms were much favorable in the 155,000. And when I say terms are favorable, I mean, um, the loan type, first of all, mm -hmm. conventional is a much more lenient loan type, especially when it comes to appraisal, because we want to make sure it, that appraisal hits that yeah. 155,000. In an FHA loan, they're much strict and much um, heavier when it comes to appraisal. They just don't want to give you that uh, overpriced. Usually conventional loan are much lenient. They're like, okay. And then FHA loan, there's a lot of requirements. Um, thankfully, even if we did accept an FHA loan, we would have passed every single um, inspection just because we, uh, the quality of our rebuilds are pretty good. Um, however, with conventional, it is a much more lenient loan. So that's why we chose the conventional loan. And another factor that determines whether the seller accepts is terms, which is like closing date. Mm -hmm and what the EMD amount is, earnest money deposit. If they put it put up for a higher deposit, that means they're more serious. And also the other factor is concession, seller's concession. Usually at that price point, first time home buyers ask for about $5,000 in seller closing costs, but obviously these buyers knew it was gonna be competitive, so they didn't ask any of it. And of course, we're like, okay, that's perfect, because we. Because ultimately, if you're giving seller concession, that's taking money away from you. The profit margin gets slimmer. So we chose the one that didn't have any seller concession. Um, so And also some sellers, when they see an offer that has seller concession, they're like, why buy a house if you don't even have money? I had one client who was crazy about that. He was so mad that they were asking concessions. Because he was very old school. He was like in his like 70s. And he was like, if you can't buy a house in cash, you shouldn't even be buying it, which was like crazy. And I was like, sure, sure. But we ended up, I ended up yeah. helping him accept that because he was going to net more. Mm -hmm. And he did. So terms are going to be super important. And especially like uh, sometimes what the buyers do is sometimes they have a house that's pending to close their own personal house and it went under contract and then it's contingent upon that we actually had someone submit an offer it was a good offer but we didn't go with that because yeah, what if because it was contingent upon their sale right and Some we don't know factors. what kind of buyer it is yeah so it could be that other buyer is condition contingent upon their home sale so it could have been like an endless chain and also we just don't know if the buyers are able to get financing, um, that's one big problem in real estate because you really never know if a buyer is able to qualify. How often would you say a pending deal falls through? Is it pretty I think, common? 
Yeah, I think at least one out of six transactions fall through. So that's it pretty has high. to be. And then I can like, I need to look that up, but I've had several instances on mine and on my clients where the buyers couldn't get financing. Um, mm -hmm. But it wasn't too many. It wasn't as much. But And this is why a lot of people love cash. Cash, yep. you don't have to worry about any of that. Question for if you're working with people who are first-time home buyers, what what kind of tips would you have for for them as far as finding the house to buy? As far as like the location or you know structural things with the home, what are some maybe red flags and what are some mm -hmm. maybe things that you that you feel like you want to tell first-time home buyers about Absolutely. stuff like that? And I think this is very very important because. Um, first time home buyers will always, and also let's define what a first time home buyer is. Um, if you didn't, if you didn't buy a house within the last three years, you are a first time home You're buyer. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And that's for like mm -hmm. tax per like, or if yeah. there's like a tax credit or something right. for first time home buyers. Mm -hmm. But if like first time home buyers who's just very brand new at buying a house, um, I personally really emphasize that the roof needs to be good because I, I myself made that mistake, um, bought a house because my wife and I fell in love with the floor layout and everything, but the roof only had five years of life and we've been here for three years and we, we're going to have to replace so it's that. So getting to and, that time. Yeah. And since Hurricane Sally came through here, prices of these shingles just um, almost doubled. So it's going to be an expensive cost. I think it's going to end up costing about $9,000 to replace the roof. Woo! And then, yeah. And then we actually have to replace the HVAC, um, like four months ago. Yeah. That's a pretty common another, one down here in Florida. Yeah, another $2,000. Um, and the windows are good. They're, they're fine. But I, I would say the biggest thing would be when you're a first time home buyer, you really need to look at the roof. Mm -hmm. whether or not to ask the sellers to replace it before you move in and HVAC system. And also the windows are very, very important because you don't want really old, old windows because the one window you're looking at $300 per piece. And when I was, when I'm rehabbing homes, windows have been super expensive mm -hmm. and really time consuming. Those were the worst. Yeah. One mm -hmm. of our, earlier homes had a jealousy windows. Do you know what those are? Yeah. Have you seen those? They were like those really small. It, yeah, it was the kind, they're the kind of windows that are never really closed. Like they kind mm -hmm. of look like blinds and we had to replace all of those because obviously that's yeah. terrible for uh, efficiency. And then it had, it, it had the ductwork for central AC, but somebody had stolen mm -hmm. the, the condenser unit. So that those were some things we had to replace. I feel like a lot of first-time buyers, they kind of get starry-eyed and they tend to look too much at the cosmetics and not realizing yeah. that that stuff can be easily switched out. The color mm -hmm. of a room does not matter as much as the roof quality or like you said, the windows or like more right. structural things. So guys, if you're looking, look at the bones of the house and really try to overlook the like cosmetic stuff, the wallpaper, the flooring, that can all be switched. Also the neighborhood right. location is something you can't change about the house, but you can change anything inside the house. So kind of look right. at it that way and don't get too, don't get too caught up in just the pretty stuff. Cause that's not, 
you know, that that's not like a smart way to buy a house, especially if it's mm-hmm. it might have it might be a flipped home. But if it's in a neighborhood you hate and it's you know, there's some stuff like maybe it's like next to the highway. Those are some things that will also affect your future resale, too. And that's something you need to think about, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's all I can say. No, just, no, those are like, good tips. I'm, make, I'm making my mistakes yeah, here. So when you bought your house and you're still in, is this the only home you've bought as a personal home? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're still in it. And so you said that if you could do it again, you might have looked looked for one that didn't need the roof to be replaced. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, but the good thing is with the market appreciating, um, even if I'm going to replace the roof, I'm getting all my money back. Yeah. So that that's a good thing because it has... I bought it for 148,000 around that and it, this house could sell for 185,000. That's so a good deal. So it's going to cover the roof and also my water heater is old so that's another $500 expense that I need to worry about. So Do you have any any personal opinions on older homes versus newer construction? Do you have any I would say slab is king mm-hmm. just cuz off-grade homes you just never know uh, there's off-grade homes are because if those things rot out those um uh, the plywood those are super expensive mm-hmm. um so i would always choose slab and that's why if you look at new construction they only build slabs and also yeah. if you look at houses in the 19th around 60s or 70s like you're gonna have to deal with whether it's aluminum wiring or copper you need to get copper wiring because insurance is going to be a lot higher and copper is a much safer choice and new construction. I love new construction and I would always try to recommend people to get new construction. Uh, however, sometimes people really need to move in now so they don't choose that because new construction home can take six months and the longest I've had a client wait on a new construction was or, about a year just because it was super custom built. Um, but new construction, you don't have to worry about anything. And if there is something wrong, the new construction company will come back and warranty it out. And it's just, everything's new. You, it's, it's nice. You get to, and statistics show that you're about, you're going to live in that place from three to five years and then move. So once it's time to move, you don't have to fix up anything. You could just resell it right then and there and you most likely it probably has appreciated so it's like a home run deal um got got a new construction for my friend last year for 175,000 the same plan sold for 245,000 the market is that wild yeah and the building the building materials seem to be getting a lot more expensive these days Mm -hmm. so that's been kind of interesting okay so Let's let's keep on going through the process. So you're yeah. looking, you're helping your clients look for homes. They find one they like. Uh, what? How does it work to put in an offer on a home? What do you do? Well, we we put in an offer and then have the pre-approval attached. Um, just purchase price and yeah, I mean. Uh, and you and the realtor there, does does yeah. the work. So the home. Mm-hmm. So if you're as the buyers, you guys don't really have to worry about much. Um, so the yeah. realtor, like John or whoever else you hire, they they do all the legwork for that. And then uh, how long does it take to find out if the if they got the house or not? Um, within a day, and then you can add that a, a timeline as well. I always do within a day. I want to hear back from you, 
And the good thing about using a realtor is as a buyer, you don't, you don't pay anything to the realtor. And the, and the reason why I do this quote is because the seller's the one who pays the buyer's agent, yeah. the agent. So at the same time, it does affect what kind of purchase price they will take because they do have to pay the buyer's agent. But let's say you're not represented by the buyer's agent. Usually the listing agent will take, the listing agent will take the buyer's agent commission too. So I recommend using a buyer's agent because the buyer's agent will know what the market, a good buyer's agent will know what kind of offer you need to put in and what kind of offer you need to put in to win. And I'll give you all this uh, comps and everything like that. So I really recommend you guys use a buyer's agent because let's say, and also when you put in an offer, my clients just tell me, Hey, I want to put X amount. And I, I always say you need to at least put a 1% deposit or a thousand dollars. And then I help them summarize and write up the contract for them. So that way, cause you guys don't want to do the buyer shouldn't touch it. The contract, if they don't know anything about it, because sometimes they might hurt themselves if, if they yeah. miss miswrote something. So, because sometimes no, it, you can offer 150 grand, and you might end up actually paying more than 150 grand because you know the buyer is going to pay the title purchase, title closing costs. There's a lot of ways where you can net a different type of amount. So leave that to the professionals. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it's so foolproof to, to have, I would definitely recommend working with a realtor instead of going to on your own. Cause there's so many things that you don't know that the realtor does know. I don't understand why people wouldn't want someone representing them, especially as a buyer. It doesn't cost you anything yeah. out of pocket. So I think that's, I that's understand. Um, trust me, I get a lot of <laughs> on my either on my TikTok or um, on someone else's wall. I see that people people generally hate salespeople. People generally hate people that get paid on commission because they think we're leeches, parasites. <laughs> um, it's it's crazy how people some people's mindset is, and that's fine. And even for sale by owners, they hate realtors. <laughs> but the thing is, realtors are going to be the ones bringing them buyers. They just yeah. don't want realtors to represent me. I know one case where a for sale by owner um, tried to sell his house and he definitely uh, didn't price it right, as in like priced it very, very low. And then he was bragging, oh, I sold it without a realtor super fast. Yeah, you sure did. You could have made another 30 more grand, but that's on you, right? But you yeah. did save commission. So... <laughs> so yeah so you know you can't change some people's minds right mm -hmm. some people just want to yeah. do what they're do their way okay so uh once a seller has accepted a buyer's offer then the mm -hmm. house is uh there's like a uh like it was it the escrow period i think that's what it's called and yeah. then the house is pending so what mm -hmm. happens during that period that w needs to get done perfect and in a contract you have to put an earnest money deposit mm -hmm. That's just how contracts work. Uh, you have to have a consideration of amount, which is cash funds, to start the contract and to bind the contract. So that thousand dollars goes to a, goes to a third party closing company and stays there. And then that title company will start searching up the liens, um, what the property, if there's any defective title, if there's any cloud on the title. And then while that's happening, 
you need to order as a buyer you need to order an inspection on the property a home inspection just to make sure everything is good um, you don't have to but you are highly recommended to because those home inspector will go up the roof look at how uh, what the life is the water heater every single outlet um, inside the attic he's going to check every single thing and then then in the contract previously you could have asked for either a thousand dollar repair limit or a percentage of about a percentage amount of the repair limits and ask the seller hey we found there was problems with this that and this as long as it's not cosmetic we want you to fix up to a thousand dollar amount where that amount is agreed upon before executing the contract and also the WDO, WDO inspection is ordered, which is wood destroying organism because you want to definitely see if there's any kind of termite damage, any kind of wood rot. And that's another repair that needs to be addressed. Um, so, so that's good. And also they're also going to check if there's open permits that needs to be closed. So it's all in the contract and once that 15 day is over you can either cancel completely and still get your emd back or and then you can or you can just move forward and send a repair request the seller accepts and now you're moving forward but let's say you move forward with it and all of a sudden last minute you're like you know what i i don't want to buy this house i i don't want it then you know that EMD goes to the seller because you you violated your um, agreement. So that earnest money deposit, and sometimes people stop there. That's the usual case. But if the seller's really upset, sometimes they could go after you for not um, fulfilling your uh, duty, your performance. So just be careful. But let also let's say appraisal doesn't hit and you put appraisal contingency, you can cancel at any time, but most likely you're gonna renegotiate the price. And let's say your financing falls through, yeah, you, you'll be able to get your EMD back. John, that's all really good to know. Okay, so I do wanna ask, so during that time also, the mortgage lender is getting the financing in order and making sure all of that stuff is is cool. So on that front, what I, I know I remember, and guys, this is very common, they're going to ask you for like a million pieces of documentation. So just know that's coming. They're going to need everything. Bank statements, like, you know, what, what, your, what your job is, all this stuff. So it is going to be a pretty lengthy. That part I remember was one of the most intensive out of the whole things. So is there anything you want to say about the, about the lending process and, and, and actually getting the mortgage in place? And then they also do that, do the uh, escrow account and get all your insurance uh, stuff set up. Yeah. So the good part is I always tell clients this, there is a different job, a loan officer job. So make sure you just go to the yeah. loan officer. I know as an agent, we have to have at least like some kind of knowledge about the loan, but it's best for liability purposes. It's best for a real estate agent not to discuss too much mm -hmm. detail just because if we give out the wrong um, information, sometimes it does fall on us. So the common practice is for a realtor to say, um, you need to go to a loan officer to get clear answers. 
Yeah, no, that's all, that's good. And yeah, and that's the thing. And you, do you usually work with, like, do you have some lenders that you kind of know real well that you usually refer people Mm -hmm. to? Because I know my realtor friend does that too. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of times realtors and lenders will kind of work closely or they'll have relationships so that they can send maybe people your way and then you can send people their way. Um, And it's someone that you guys trust and have worked with a lot, right? Right. Um, I don't really have one just because 10% of my buyers are loan loan person. I really focus on cash buyers. Okay. Um, but I still focus on loan uh, buyers are purchasing out on loans. I have um, three people that I go to, but I have my main go to person. Is it the mortgages are boring guy? Is that yeah. one of them? Right, the, your TikTok <laughs> some, friend. Yeah, and sometimes you know with new construction, they have their own mortgages. Mm-hmm that they offer and they do give out better incentives. So I even tell that to my buyers and I said, Hey, listen, buying houses is, it's big. It's a big asset. You need to look out for your own self. I know we have a mortgage officer and stuff like that, but um, you know, the new construction company is going to give you a better deal and better closing costs assistance. So it's and better actually, mortgage rate so it's up to you whether you want to go with your loan officer or go with new construction and a lot of loan officers know that when a buyer gets a new construction and they're getting a loan they're most likely going to lose that client and that client's just going to go go with the new construction loan people yeah because they always offer an incentive like you know we'll give you ten thousand dollars off your closing costs if you go with our approved lender um, so that does right. happen a lot. And the escrow period for a home, it's usually, I've noticed it seems to be between like 30 and 60 days typically. Is that fairly yeah. common? Yeah, 30 to 45 days. Okay. Uh, it's usually needed for the house to close. Okay. <laughs> so if someone is looking to buy a home, how far out do you recommend they start looking? Like if they're, uh, like say it's uh, April now and they want to get into <laughs> a home by maybe say August, when should they be looking? They should be looking, if they're wanting to move at August, the month before, 30 days before, just because the market is too hot. The (laughs) house that you looked at like two months before. It ain't going to be there. It ain't going to be there. It's just Mm -hmm. way too, too hot. You can't, you just, yeah. So a month out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's actually pretty short that, you know, so, so if you are looking, so if you're looking to move in August, you should start looking in like you know, late June, early July, yeah. something like that. Okay. That's good advice. E- even my listing appointment, um, you know, listing appointment, usually you just want to get it done here and there, but it's a repeat client. So I know I'm going to usually get the business because they've been just talking to me back and forth. And they said they want to move out during June. And I said, okay. And they want to meet me now. And I highly advise. And you it's think it's too good- early. It's yeah. way too early because here's a scenario I gave them. Let's say you do want to list early, like right now, most likely within next week or two, it will go under contract and the buyers will want to move in the next month. Mm-hmm. That means the other period for another month, you're going to have to find a place to live. And that's just so much of a hassle. Just um, let's list your property a month before you're, you're, you need to move out. So that, and they were like, okay, that makes sense. The reason I know that is because per, I had a client who had that same problem. 
they their their beautiful home we sold it for 410 grand but their what happened was their new construction got really delayed so they had to find an apartment to live for another three four months so it was very uncomfortable for them to find that temporarily place yeah. to live people are going through the escrow period they get the inspection they get the financing they get the insurance stuff all laid down also right. in florida uh, just so you guys know, if you are looking in our state, many areas are in flood zones, so there is required flood insurance. Mm -hmm. So that is something you're gonna you're gonna have to be on the lookout for. Also, here in Florida, we've got a lot of HOA and CDD neighborhoods, mm -hmm. so though that's an additional cost. HOA is a homeowners association, and most new construction neighborhoods tend to have an HOA, and a lot of our neighborhoods here in the Tampa Bay area have a CDD, which is a community district development fee, and that is taken out through taxes. So just know that's something you're going to go through uh, here in Florida. All right, mm -hmm. so they've gone through the process. Uh, it's closing day. Can you explain what, what happens on closing day? What's, what's closing going Closing day, usually the seller would sign first, and then the buyers, once they sign, they get a key because the seller would have delivered a key. And then it's just pictures here and there, and and they get to <laughs> move in. Happy times. So. All right. Happy time. And I do want to add that new construction home, the insurance will be lower than old old homes. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. that's for that is for sure. Yeah. So if you guys are looking for low insurance, uh, newer homes are definitely the way to go. And also one one thing that I think people might not be aware of is how you get the money for closing day. Usually the title company or whatever will give you instructions to wire the money beforehand mm -hmm. or like the day of, right? Because it's yeah. they're very specific. And they also warned me, I guess there's a lot of wire fraud scams now going a on. A lot of wire fraud. So they were very uh they were very specific in the instructions. And you know, they give you like a piece of paper to bring to the bank with you. So you have to take it to your bank and then have your bank or credit union uh mm -hmm. wire the money to that specific account. Um but yeah like what like how, I don't even know how these scams work, but they seem to be so prevalent that they're trying to warn you about it and stuff, mm -hmm. which is kind of so crazy. Once you send an email, just so email is not a secure form. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're sending an email to your title company and you write the word cash wire, the wiring instruction. Um, sometimes those hackers intercept that email and then they make the same logo, uh, make the same almost identical email sender's email address, um, very, very close. And then they said, okay, wire the money here. Yeah, wow. title companies don't do that. You just need to call in and ask yeah. for the wiring instructions. And that's how this one family uh, wired over 920 grand. Oh. And they, that went over international. And once it goes international, you can't get that money back. Wow. So you really need to be careful. These hackers are really, really smart. Yeah. Um, in my area, someone got scanned 150 grand. Um, like I said, when you email those funds, wire transaction, the email, the hackers somehow pick that up and then they're going to send you an email identical looking to the title company and tell you to wire here. And so you just need to be careful when you're wiring, double check. Woo! And how do you like? Do, how do you double check? Like I, I forgot. I, I forgot. You like, just call in. Call okay, in you your just... title closing agent and say, "Hey, okay. 
my wiring, it seems like the wire number is this, is this true? And then they'll, yeah. I just repeat it and they'll say, yeah, that's true. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's how it works. So it's you guys advice. just be careful of, of that because oh, every you know, buyer needs to wire money several thousand dollars for the closing yeah. cost, like three and a half percent of the purchase price. And that's a large amount of money to be sending. So you mm -hmm. don't, well, you want to make sure it doesn't go to some scammer overseas. Wow. That is so, that mm -hmm. is so, yeah, I remember being kind of nervous about it because they were warning me about all the scammers and I was like, I just felt real anxious. I was like, I hope I'm doing this right. But yeah. I took it to my bank, gave them the wire instructions, and then they called it in from the bank. Um, mm -hmm. So that, and everything went through okay. Okay, so they've closed on the house. And after you, after you close, then it's usually like what the next month they start getting the mortgage and, and doing no, all that. No, after happens. three months. After three, after months. three okay. months, you get wow. a mortgage. So you get a huge break. So you get a first. little bit of a reprieve from paying your mortgage. Right. Nice. So yeah, that's, and it's different, but that's usually the case. Yeah. You have like three more months before you actually pay your first mortgage. And if you're in Florida, make sure you get the homestead exemption. Oh yeah. I have, I have missed that twice, two John, years in a no. row. I'm Wait, you like, missed geez. it? How yeah. And it, it made my mortgage go up by like $150. Mm -hmm. So just don't miss that. Um, the deadline is up to like March 1st. Uh, did you get it in for ridiculous. this year? Are you good? No, for... I didn't. Wait, how this... did you? <laughs> I missed this year. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! And, and 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 you do it with your count. I think you do it with your county. So your county yeah. should have instructions on how to file for your homestead exemption. You because see, um... you could you could file it online on the tax county website appraiser. Yeah. But if you're a foreign, because for, I'm I'm still a green card citizen, so they want me to show up there with my oh, wife. No. And, you know, we keep forgetting. And if it was online, we'd get it done ASAP, but they won't let us do it. Only U.S. citizens That's can do interesting. That. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. I forgot. I think I, um, I believe I did mine online or maybe I mailed mm -hmm. it in. I don't remember which one. And then you can check on, you can check every county has like a property appraisal website. And you could actually go in and check your property and see if the homestead exemption was uh, like accepted or if it's like yeah. still valid and then you usually only have to do it once so you guys don't have to worry about it after that initial time but that does Ooh. save you some money <laughs> on your taxes um, another thing um, that I that I also that is also kind of thing sometimes your property taxes the next year could actually be higher depending on if the previous homeowner had the had like uh, that portability cap thing so if the if somebody had lived in the house forever, your taxes can only go up a certain percentage every year. So they might have had lower taxes than you'll get because your taxes are based on the purchase price. So your taxes don't always go down with the homestead exemption in the following year. So just to let you guys know that also it's it tends to be a little bit different with new construction, right? Because because the land, you know, it was like a plot the year before. And then mm -hmm. that year it's so your taxes don't always go down your property taxes. Sometimes they can go up. Sometimes they can go down. So it kind of it kind of depends. Mostly right. they'll go up. Mostly, mostly go up. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't remember. I think ours were about the same. I think. Mm -hmm. um, although I funny when we lived in St. Petersburg, our house, we lived in a forty seven thousand dollar house. And during like the housing collapse, our property taxes were like, I want to say like five, they were like $300 a year or something like that. That was crazy. Um, and so that was pretty, that was a pretty bizarre situation. 
Uh, so this has been really good information, John. And I do want to ask another question. What are some common, maybe um, common things that you feel like first time home homeowners aren't really aware of, or maybe some mistakes they make when they're looking for homes or when they're going through the process? Is there anything that you feel like a lot of people don't, you know, don't know, and they kind of make mistakes? I, th I think it's facts, like over feelings, I guess, not mm -hmm. just because they, if you fall in love with the house, you start not looking at the problems and not focusing yeah. on the problems. So I think that's important. And I think that's why a, a seasoned experienced realtor will really point that out where, hey, the house is beautiful. I want you guys to get it, but just know that the roof is bad. So just uh, just stuff like that, because they're excited. Because most of the time, the first time homeowners, you know, they lived in an apartment, stuff like that. And they're like, whoa, I finally get to call this place my own, my own house. So just, I think that's the biggest thing. And I want the buyers to have what they want, but I also don't want, you know, down the road, just have the buyers think, oh man, I can't believe this. Although they made that choice, but at least either I warned them or mm -hmm. you know, they, they know that and they, they're going to save up to fix that. So. Yeah, that that's true. And as as a home buyer myself, I, I find that it really helps to to like kind of not get emotionally attached to the homes. So you mm -hmm. go through and I'm my husband and I are really more interested in getting a getting a good value. So right. we like we don't care necessarily about like the carpet color or whatever. So there's a lot of things that we overlook that I know a lot of people don't. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that's something I guess it kind of depends, too. If you're one of those people that you don't want to have to, you want a turnkey home and you don't want to have to do anything, it might take you longer to find a house that you really like that's, like, perfect for you and has all the cosmetic stuff. And you're going to have to pay more at that point. So sometimes you can either go for something that you that's perfect as is, but sometimes you're going to, you know, you're going to pay the price or you can go for something that's a little cheaper but might need a little work or might need something to switch out. There's just trade-offs with everything. So you guys have to understand that that's, that's a reality. And with the market being so crazy, um, are you finding sellers are having to make more and more concessions? Like, you know, okay, maybe we don't need that third bathroom, you know, or something like that. Are you finding they kind of have to like take stuff off the wish list, kind of depending on what's available? Right, right. Especially when you're wanting a bigger square footage and yeah. you're, budget is still um your budget is low sometimes people and the buyers see that and the buyers learn from looking at home to home they're gonna realize oh for 180 grand we can get this type of house mm -hmm. and then if we want a bigger house we know it's not going to be as updated as this smaller house so the buyer learns they start learning how the house housing prices work and I think that's that's good for them. So then they start distinguishing what a good deal is versus a bad deal is. And, and another thing, a lot of people will ask realtors about things like how safe the neighborhood is or like, is this a good school district? Mm -hmm. um, and can you explain that realtors really aren't allowed to like point? Yeah, we're, we're not, really not allowed, allowed to, to tell you. That. you. Yeah, because that um, goes against our um, like ethics. And the reason why they do that is they don't want any kind of discrimination, redlining. Yeah. So they're very strict on that. So if someone says, hey, is this a good area or not? I just say, you just have to look that up yourself. Is this 
school good area. You just have to look that up for yourself. Or I just say, I don't have any kids. So I'm not sure. (laughs) Yes. So that is something that just to let you guys know, please do not ask your realtor those questions. They're not really supposed to point you in a specific direction. And there's a lot of tools out there that you could research school districts and research crime statistics. uh, But that's something that a realtor is not supposed to be telling you, hey, this neighborhood is good for families or this neighborhood has a great school district. It's just not something that they're supposed to. You don't have any kids, but you do have dogs, right? Yeah, and I think (laughs) they're about to go crazy because my wife is at home right now. So if you guys have any questions for John, leave them down in the comments below about first-time home buying or like general real estate questions. We'd be happy to try to take a look. And John, do you have anything this week for... uh, Asian approved. Um, it will be my phone case. I mean, it's, it's like dying, but <laughs> this phone case right here, it's very easy to hold just cause like this phone is pretty big. So I, I, I actually love this feature. It, it helps me a lot. That <laughs> That's is my very Asian cool. Approved. All right. So John, I have reached peak lazy and I'll show you why. I'm now at the point in my life where I'm buying sneakers without laces. <laughs> oh. So I got... <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I just don't want to have to deal with shoelaces. So these were on sale. They're by, this is not sponsored, hashtag not sponsored. Um, I've just decided I do not want to have to um, tie my shoes. So we're going to (laughs) go. I feel like these are like an upgrade from the Velcro sneakers from the 90s. Uh, But this is my new lifestyle, which is not having which is not having to do very much work to put on shoes. All right. Well, this has been another fun episode. Let us know what you guys think. Also, if you want any show topics, any suggestions, we are open to it. Hey, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and also make sure you guys leave a comment so we can interact with you guys. We'll see you guys again next time. We are Asians with money. Um, If you guys have any questions about... (laughs) Can you hear them? I can hear it a little bit. That's okay. That's, Wait, let me close that door. That's funny.